What is up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Brian Carter 99, a 49ers podcast. I want to apologize first off for this episode taking so long to get out. Um, I'm going to keep things short, but it's been dealing with a lot of uh, stress in my life personally and uh, decided to put in my resignation at work because my work was affecting my mental health and just kind of wasn't really feeling anything, wasn't feeling motivated, Uh, you know, just all those negative things uh, that can happen when you're, you know, just not in the right kind of headspace. So yeah, again, don't want to get into too much of it, uh, but long story short, I'm moving on to new things in my personal life and I'm hoping, I think that it's the best decision. And I'm thinking that it's going to help out with the podcast as well. Um, I already feel better about it. I, uh, yeah, like I said, I gave my resignation and yeah, times change, but uh, it's, it was the right decision. I feel like it's the right decision. So, um, whew, a lot of stuff to go over and what I'm going to do, this is going to be we're going to have two this weekend, so you're probably listening to the first episode. Um, I'm going to get out two today. So this first episode, what we're talking about today is nothing basically to do with the Colts game. This is just all going to be like bye week. How are the How's the team doing? What are they stacking up against? Just kind of checking in after the bye week. I am going to release another episode Later today, I know it's kind of last minute, so again, apologize for that. Um, But I also want to do a good job on that episode, so what I'm going to do, we're going to have this episode, I'm going to go run a couple errands, get some stuff done, and then I'm going to watch a couple of the Colts games, Uh, not too much into the film, but you know, just game pass, get that 45 minute, Get that 45-minute game in. Watch a couple of those. Just kind of get a better idea about the Colts since I really haven't watched them. And I have a general idea of my thoughts on the Colts game. But I want to I want to watch a couple of their games before I come in here and start talking about them. So this is going to be one of two. So you're getting a, a, whole, a whole bunch of uh, podcasting today for your... Saturday afternoon, evening, Sunday morning, listening pleasure. And the game is Sunday night, so plenty of time to listen, even though this is kind of last minute. But again, I'm hoping that moving forward, things are going to be better. I'll be more on top of it. And uh, yeah, just again, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I feel good about my decision. And I'm hoping that it'll bring more positivity to this. Um and it'll be a better show, you know, because uh, we all know that when your head isn't right, it affects everything performance-wise. So let's get into the bye week. We just had a bye week, and there's a game on Sunday. whole lot of different things have been happening as far as uh, the season so far. So here we are. You know, we are two and three. We're six weeks into the season. There's still 12 more games. So there's still a lot of football, but we're really not where we thought we would be. You know, I I remember thinking before the season, 
this team looks like they could be another Super Bowl contender. And I think that we all thought that. Uh, Every team has some type of question marks here, question marks there. You know, depth question here, depth question there. But when you looked at how the team was built, the depth that we had, and being that they, the majority of the team was just in the Super Bowl, we were getting, you know, the majority of the Super Bowl starters back. We had added some depth, and it was an exciting time. You know, we were excited about the team, and just overall, it was a bright outlook this season. We started out the season, and game one was kind of a kick-in-the-nuts kind of win, you know? We went out there, and we dominated the Lions, and then Verrett tears his ACL, Raheem Mostert chips a chunk of cartilage at his knee, so there you go. You lose your best corner, and you lose your best running back. It really sucks, but the season's not over, and we did win the game, and the team looked very explosive for the first, you know, three quarters of the game. Week two, we ended up winning a struggle fest versus the Eagles. And I personally kind of justified it in the sense of, hey, you know, we're trying to figure out how to adjust. They have a really good defensive front, uh, battle the trenches, you know, Eagles, good offensive and defensive lines, our offensive and defensive lines. It, it seemed that it was going to be a difficult matchup, but we did end up winning this, winning that game. So I kind of justified that. Then we have just basically three heartbreakers. You know, we go out there and we lose to the Seahawks. Uh, we do an amazing, or wait, no, it wasn't the Seahawks, no. Uh, after that, we ended up losing to Green Bay. Uh, we go out there, we struggle really bad the first half. Second half, we come back, we take the lead with 37 seconds, and then just a couple miscues on defense, and then Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams doing that their thing. You know, they come back, and they end up getting a 51-yard field goal to take the lead with time expiring, and uh, it really hurt. That was a struggle. Uh, that one, you know, we really thought that we had come back and won the game, and then they took it away from us. And then we go against the Seahawks, and we dominate the Seahawks on defense for the entire first half. You know, five, three and outs. Uh, the first drive looks really good. You know, Jimmy G is seven for seven for like 70 yards, a touchdown, just boom, quick seven points, five, three and outs. But Jimmy somehow hurts his calf somewhere during that first or second drive. And the offense just gets worse and worse in the first half. Eventually, Trey comes in to start the second half, has a couple flashes, puts up a solid effort, couple touchdown drives, but ultimately we can't get the win against Seattle, even though we hold Russell Wilson to 100 and f- under 150 passing yards. Amazing job by the defense. So then we have the Cardinals game. Cardinals game, we go out there and we put out a defensive show against the Cardinals and it's Trey Lance's first start. And again, you know, this game, the defense played incredible. The fact that we held Arizona to 17 points is amazing 
because Arizona is undefeated. If you take away our game where we held them to 17 points, they have scored 30 plus points every single game. After they beat us scoring only 17, they put up 37 on the Browns. And the Browns have a pretty damn good defense. You know, they've got Miles Garrett. They've got Clowney. They've got a whole bunch of talented players in the backfield. And they've had a pretty good defense. So, you know, again, like the defense that we put out against Arizona was really impressive. And Trey Lance, he was... It was a mixed bag. I think overall, Trey played very well against Arizona in the context of very first NFL start, 21-year-old rookie going against an undefeated team, the best team in the NFL, I would argue, at this point. So, And he was also put in bad positions throughout the game where they would get a negative. I remember there was one yard where... If it wasn't for the penalties, it would have been like a 120-yard drive. The drive took over seven minutes, and we got 18 total yards because we kept we kept getting penalized. And it would be like Trey would make a play, and then it would wipe out a first down, and then he would make a big play, and then it would be all the yardage would be wiped out by another penalty. And he was constantly having to play hero ball, and playing really well. And there were some things that I didn't really like about the Arizona game. The main thing that I didn't like in terms of the offense was I didn't like the amount of designed quarterback runs. And I didn't have a chance to go back and like rewatch every single run. But what I will say is that 16 runs from your quarterback when uh, that's more runs than your entire running backs group combined, that's too many quarterback runs. And not only that, but the quarterback design runs weren't that effective. He averaged around just under four yards per carry on design quarterback runs. Whereas on scrambles, he was averaging nearly 11 yards per scramble. So what that tells me is I'm okay if you want to do a zone read type of run, you know, where it's de- it depends on a key defender as far as whether Trey keeps it or he hands it off to the running back because that's an option. You know, that's either the running back or the quarterback. That's okay. I'm also okay with the scrambles because, again, he was very good on the scrambles He wasn't perfect. There was one or two plays where he tried to scramble and he ended up running into a sack. I think there was one off off the top of my head. I don't remember exactly. It was either, I think it was actually uh, Zach Allen, uh, if I remember correctly, where uh, he ran up uh, in the pocket uh, And the guy who McGlinchey was blocking ended up getting him, whereas if he just stayed in the pocket calmly, he could have checked it down. Uh, Point being, though, is I don't really like all the designed QB runs. Uh, It was too many. It was too many. We need to focus on the run game. We drafted two running backs, you know, and the right side of the offensive line versus the Cardinals was a legit problem. 
I think the offensive line overall has been pretty good this year. Pretty good this season. However, against the Cardinals, the right side of the offensive line was terrible. That was probably Mike McGlinchey's worst game. Uh, Dan Brunskill was consistently getting blown up. Uh, Alex Mack, there were some protection things where, especially that first play, I know that it's Mack's job to call the initial mic, and then it's the quarterback's job to adjust. But again, when you're that veteran, that veteran center with over a decade of experience and multiple all-time pros, all-time Pro Bowl, like you're the you're an all-decade center. Help the rookie out, you know. Help help out the 21-year-old rookie who's only who's only thrown the ball, you know, 350 total times in his career between college and NFL. Help the kid out, you know. Uh, do, do, do something to help the kid out and pass protection. Um, yeah. And again, Mac, he's been a little underwhelming, just overall the offensive line. It wasn't a strength versus the Cardinals. And I didn't like that. We were running it to the right, you know, running right into JJ Watt. And when you, when you've got Dan Brunskill and Mike McGlinchey, I don't think that's the best move. Um, so overall, you know, we can get nitpicky about the game plan. Uh, but what I will say is I thought Trey played very well. Then after the game, uh, we find out the next day that Trey has a sprained knee. So it's a bummer. So Trey has a sprained knee. It sounds like it's a minor sprain, uh, about a two-week injury. He is officially ruled out against the Colts. And he hasn't practiced at all this week. So he did sprain his knee. And again, it's like, that's what happens when your offensive line is a liability and you're having your quarterback run 16 times in a game. I never want to see Trey run the ball 16 times in a game when the running back, when the number one running back only has nine carries. All right. If Trey has if Trey has 15 runs and the running back has 23 runs, that's a bit different. But Trey was the run game. He was the offense. I think he I think he contributed about 83% or 82% of the offense versus the Cardinals was Trey. So, yeah, that's that's the first 5 games. You know, we come in, we have we have a really good win against the Lions with a couple key injuries. We have a struggle win. Then we have a struggle loss, a heartbreak loss, and then another struggle loss. And we don't really know what this team is. And I think that's been my biggest issue throughout this preseason is that we don't really have a clearly defined identity on this team. This team doesn't know exactly who they are, what they are, what style of team they are. They don't have an identity. They don't quite have the cohesion. The defense is doing really good for what they're dealing with. You know, they're they're down their number one corner. They're kind of mixing and matching corners in the back end. You know, first game, it was Verrett and... 
I believe, Lenore. And the next game, it was Norman and Lenore. And then Mosley and Norman. And Kirkpatrick and Norman and Lenore. So the corners have just all been kind of rotating. We've had Dante Johnson playing in the slot. Uh, our outside corners, we've we've literally had on our outside corners, Diamador Lenore, fifth round rookie, Manuel Mosley, I think he's in his third or fourth year, coming back after a couple games, Josh Norman, off the street to come in, play a couple games, bust his lungs, coughing up blood, comes back, you know, a week and a half later, and Dre Kirkpatrick, just randomly like hey we're gonna put dre in there and then in the in the slot we've had kwan williams and uh dante johnson and even a little bit of lenore playing spot duty there so just really mixing and matching on the back end the fact that our defense has played this well is big credit to D'Amico ryan's i think that has been one of the bright spots this season is D'Amico ryan's has been a pretty damn solid defensive coordinator. I think he's been doing a great job considering what he's been dealing with. And I think that's probably been one of the bright spots on this team is the defense, despite all the rotation on the back end. So, yeah, it's it's been crazy. Um, as far as where we're standing currently in the league, um, if the playoffs were tomorrow... Or I guess today, because tomorrow's a game day. If the playoffs were today, I think the Niners are currently the eighth seed. So I think they would be just out of the wild card. Now, looking forward through the season, there's a whole lot of football left. Again, we still have 12 games in front of us. There's a lot of time to right the ship or develop Trey. There's a whole lot of season left. The, the difficult thing, though, is that when you start looking like, hey, we want Super Bowl, we want playoffs, it's very hard if you don't win your division. And our division is very, very difficult. We're currently third in our division. Uh, Arizona's undefeated at 6-0. and And the Rams, if I remember correctly, are 5-1. and So the Rams, if you have the Cardinals as the one seed and the division winners, and then the Rams are currently the fifth which means that that only leaves two more wildcard spots. And I think we can be realistic in saying that at, at this point, with what, the, with what uh, the Rams and the Cardinals look like, I think it's realistic to so say they're both going to be in the playoffs. So that takes out the, uh, again, the division, unless those teams fall apart and we get back on track, which unfortunately I haven't seen enough to see that. We can't win the division, and we're likely not going to be in the fifth spot. So that leaves two more playoff spots for the entire NFC. Now, with us being two and three, it's not great, but there's a whole lot of teams in the NFL right now that are two and three, three and two, three and three, kind of in that middle. And I know that an early bye week isn't always what you want but I think it's coming at an ideal time because this need this team just needs to correct a couple little things you know work on some communication things mostly they need to 
define their identity on offense. And it's really difficult because we thought we would know what a Shanahan offensive identity would be. You know, it's a lot of wide zone. It's uh, a little bit of power, you know, for like countering the wide zone. It's a lot of play action passing. And then it's some short passing. And when we went to the Super Bowl two years ago, that's what it was. It was a lot of outside zone, some power to counter it. And we had some play action deep shots. And we had a solid short game. And Jimmy Garoppolo, love him or hate him, in 2019, he was one of the most one of the most effective and efficient deep passers and third down quarterbacks. He hasn't been this year. In 2019, when we went to the Super Bowl, I would say Jimmy Garoppolo was probably in that 10 to 15 range in terms of quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's about the level that he played at. This year, I would say he's probably in that 20 to 25 range. He has not been good. According to PFF, he's the 28th ranked quarterback through three and a half games. He has zero big time throws, nine turnover worthy nine turnover worthy plays, uh, or maybe it's seven. Uh, either way, though, no big time throws, roughly two turnover worthy plays per game. He has two interceptions, which isn't terrible, but he also has three fumbles. To five touchdowns so you know it's it's not a good ratio jimmy's not playing all that great and he's been hurt again jimmy's starting against the colts so i'm really hoping that this team can just get back on track because that's what they need to do a little bit of coffee it's a saturday morning all right so um some notes that I've had for what's been going on throughout the first chunk of our season. I guess you could call it the first quarter since it's uh, there's usually 16 games. Now there's 17. So we've got our first five out of the way. Then we've got three more quarters that are four-game chunks. So looking back on Trey Lance... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Trey Lance. I want to talk a little bit about Ayuk. I want to talk about some other things, some rookie grades, and just how the team has been playing as far as individual players, who's good, who's bad, and so forth. Uh, Trey Lance. So what we've seen from Trey Lance throughout the six quarters that he's basically played, you know, I played the second half of Seattle, the full Arizona game, along with a couple, you know, plays here and there. Trey Lance so far has been, in my opinion, better than I would have expected out of him. And the reason why I say that is because when we drafted Trey Lance, I expected him to be very raw from a mechanical standpoint, a little bit inaccurate, but I also wasn't sure how he would look as far as as an athlete versus other NFL athletes. And I didn't know how he would play against an NFL defense because FCS defenses, definitely, definitely not 
NFL defenses. Uh, there was not a lot of players that he was playing against in college that are in the NFL now. I'm sure there's some, but it wasn't like he was going up against, you know, the top college defenses in the nation. So, what have we seen so far? I think that what we've seen is that the most impressive thing that I've seen from him thus far, I would say, is his poise. His poise his calmness, the game does not look too big for him. He does not look overwhelmed. He might, he's obviously raw. He needs to work on some things. The main thing that I have seen, um, I would say the main issues that I've seen from Trey Lance, and again, I am no guru. I just try and do my best to learn. But the main things that I've seen that he needs to work on, obviously accuracy. Now, with the accuracy, I think that mostly comes down to footwork. Uh, the So, I am not, again, a quarterback expert. I did watch J.T. O'Sullivan had a very good breakdown. The main thing that he was showing was that Trey Lance bounces a little bit too much. So, um, he calls it like getting toesy. But, you know, if you can imagine like when you're throwing something, if you're bouncing you know, three inches or so, that's going to change the trajectory of where that ball is going to go. So Trey can sometimes have a tendency to get a little bit bouncy uh, in the pocket and with his movements. So just calming the feet down and having a solid base. And the other thing was just his footwork in general. It's been sloppy. He's had some terms where instead of having a clean drop back, he would uh, like cross his feet, which is a big no-no. Uh, not always aligning his feet properly. And it's these little mechanical things that he definitely needs to work on because what I have seen is that his talent is off the charts. There have been some plays where he is firing a rocket into a six-inch window and he has the arm and the ability to read defenses and make those good decisions to get that in there. Unfortunately, um, he doesn't quite have the mechanical consistency in terms of his footwork and his throwing motion to always make the throws. So he can get it there. He has the ability, but he definitely needs to work on just his throwing motion and his footwork. The other thing that has been kind of debated a little bit was about the batted passes because he had the four batted passes. I've heard multiple things. I think it's something that he'll get better at. He doesn't, he has a big windup. It's kind of loopy. It seems like it's, it was a, a little bit bigger than during the preseason. I remember watching the practice the practice and training camp videos and some of the preseason and it looked like he had really tightened up his throwing motion and it looked really good and it does look like he's regressed a little bit however it's not necessarily a long throwing motion from a time standpoint he gets the ball out quick obviously it's not Jimmy Garoppolo quick um, but the other thing was that was noted was that sometimes he stares down receivers and he pats the ball before the long windup and that is what the defensive line is often 
cueing in on. So if they see, you know, you're looking this way, you pat the ball and then you have a wind up, that's two or three tells that they have, hey, stick my arms up. Whereas if you're Jimmy, you might stare down a receiver, but you're so quick that you're looking, you're looking, pow, you just fire it out. So it's, it's the little things that Trey needs to work on. Uh, and again, we're being very nitpicky here. Personally, I want Trey to start as soon as he's healthy. I want him starting the rest of the season because what he showed in his six quarters of play, to me, it got me more excited than watching Jimmy Garoppolo continue to struggle and make dumb turnovers. And I have been a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo for a long time when we traded for him and he went on that five game winning streak to end the 2017 season. I was like, praise Jimmy Jesus. We finally found our quarterback. I'm so excited. He took us to the Super Bowl. I knew he wasn't elite, but I kind of figured he could maybe be a top 10 quarterback. But unfortunately, since then, continued injuries, continued lack of big plays, continued dumb decisions. I just can't do it anymore. I, I was a fan of his for a long time, but I'm ready to make that transition. Trey showed us so much. His arm, the velocity that he gets passes out. Uh, he's going to make a couple bad decisions, but overall, I think that what he was able to do as a playmaker makes up for the fact that he's not quite to Jimmy's level in terms of as a quarterback. Now, when I say as a quarterback, um, I think at this moment in their careers, Jimmy is probably a little bit better at knowing where to go, at least on his first and second read. Jimmy is also a little bit more of a quick decision maker. He's currently getting the ball out as the fourth fastest in the NFL around 2.6 seconds, whereas Trey was holding on the ball for around 3.1 seconds. So if you want a guy who's going to be a quick decision maker and a little more accurate underneath, Jimmy is currently better. However, what Trey can do with his improvisational skills being able to scramble. Again, he's getting like 10 yards per scramble. He's throwing the ball deeper. Uh, Trey had an average depth of target of over 10 yards, whereas Jimmy is currently at about six. So he's throwing deeper. He can run the ball during scrambles. He's a playmaker. He can fire the ball into places and make throws that Jimmy can't throw. And he's a little bit more inconsistent. He needs to work on some things. But what he mostly needs is reps. And where I'm at at this point is that I don't think that the Niners can win the division. I think the Cardinals and the Rams are executing too well to have a worse record. And I think that they are just as talented as the 49ers as it stands today. That could change. If this, if this 49ers team starts executing and stops beating themselves then I would definitely, I would argue right now that they have the ability to compete with any team in the NFL. But they're not executing on that level. And that comes down to coaching. Primarily on offense, it's coaching, it's execution, there's a lack of identity, and uh, they just need to be better. So I think they compete with anyone in the NFL. 
But the reason why I want Trey to start moving forward, and I know that Jimmy's going to be starting on Sunday. He's apparently off the injury report. Good to go. We'll talk about that later on today on the next episode. And Trey is currently out with the knee sprain. When Trey is 100%, I want him starting the rest of the season. Here's why. I know Jimmy G's ceiling. With the team currently constructed, I do not believe that Jimmy gives us the best chance to win at the end of the season than Trey would at the end of the season if he's starting as soon as he's healthy. In other words, I know exactly what I'm getting from Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G is going to play a whole lot better at the end of the season than he has so far. Maybe he plays a little bit better. Maybe he stops with some dumb turnovers. Maybe he decides to finally make a couple impressive throws. But I don't think we're really going to get that. And that caps the offense. And that means that you're going to have to rely on playmakers. Our playmakers are, you know, Debo Samuel is balling out of his mind. Uh, Before the bye week, he was, I think, second in the NFL in receiving yards as well as number one in yards after catch. Kittle is out for at least a couple more games. And Ayuk, which we'll talk about in a minute, Ayuk hasn't been the factor that we thought he would be. Also, without an explosive run game because of Kittle being out, because of Raheem Mostert being out, you can't rely on an explosive run game. And without an explosive run game, without a couple of your playmakers, I don't really trust Jimmy to be a playmaker. I trust Jimmy to be at his best an efficient game manager and high-level competitor. Jimmy does compete his ass off. I will say that. But over the last 10 games that Jimmy started, he's 500. He is no longer a winning quarterback where when Jimmy is in, we win. Now, he was. Over the last 10 games, he's 5-5. Five and five. He's 500. He's average. He's playing at a below average level. The defense is playing incredible. I would much rather have Trey start, uh, hopefully the Halloween game versus Justin Fields. That'd be really fun. And start the rest of the season because Trey needs to learn. He is going to be the starting quarterback next year. Jimmy's not going to be here. So I don't really see a point in trying to make this team learn Jimmy Garoppolo and have a different type of offense, different type of quarterback under Trey, and then have to make that transition next year, and Trey have to go through his lumps at that point. I would much rather Trey start as soon as he's healthy and start the rest of the season. I like Jimmy. Got some good fond memories with Jimmy, but he's not going to be here next year. And unless, I, I just don't think that by the end of the season, Jimmy will be a better quarterback and give us a better chance to win than Trey. I think that when Trey gets another 10 games of experience, you know, let's say hypothetically, uh, Jimmy starts against the Colts. And then for some reason he starts against uh, the bears as well. So that gives Trey maybe 10 more games, you know, eventually let's say hypothetically after the bears game, they're like, well, Trey is the starter going forward. How good is Trey going to be here? How good is Trey going to be with 10 more games of experience as a playmaker? You know, learning the offense, developing chemistry with his playmakers. 
I want Trey starting as soon as possible. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't honestly think it will because I really think Shanahan believes at this moment, Jimmy gives the team the best chance to win. And ultimately that is the coach's job. So I can't necessarily hate on Shanahan for him wanting to win every game right now, one game at a time, one week at a time. However, I will criticize him in the sense that we're not winning the division. We're on the outside looking in, in terms of playoffs. And you've got a rookie you want to develop and gave up three. You spent three first round picks to get this kid. He needs reps and he's not, he's probably not that much worse than the current guy that you're putting out there. Who's not going to be here next year. I hate seeing 25 million on the bench, but Jimmy can probably teach Trey just as much as Trey's backup than as a starter with Trey sitting on the bench, not getting reps. So I don't want to spend this entire podcast talking about Jimmy versus Trey. Um, But ultimately, you know, it, it comes down to that. We have Trey. We spent a lot. He's looked very impressive in the six quarters that we've seen him. I would argue that he is as good currently as Jimmy G. We know what Jimmy G is. Please give me the upside and the development of Trey over Jimmy as soon as Trey is healthy enough to start. And please don't run him into the ground with a million designed quarterback runs. If he has three or four quarterback designed runs a game, okay, I get it. Um, But I would much rather the majority of his rushing yards come from scrambles versus trying to run QB power up the middle 10 times a game. So let's move on from Jimmy versus Trey. Now that I've kind of put out where I stand, we'll see how that happens moving forward. To talk about the mystery of Brandon Ayuk. What has happened to Brandon Ayuk? This kid had a very, very impressive rookie season. He led the team in yards. I don't remember the exact yardage, but it was something around 800 yards. Uh, Just looked like the best receiver on the team last year. One of the best players on offense last year. An offensive weapon. You know, he was the 25th overall pick. Very, very talented kid. And for some reason, he has been very, very quiet this season. Now, trying to put all the puzzle pieces together, it's it's taken me a good bit of thought, uh, some film watching, a, a good bit of thought and time to kind of put the pieces together to where I think they are at this moment. So, last year, very impressive. This year comes in, he's kind of... During training camp, it was very interesting that he was being outperformed by Trent Sherfield, especially considering that Trent Sherfield had never really been a thing uh, after three years in Arizona. And it was, it was very strange. And then we found out that, you know, he tweaked his hamstring and he, you know, missed a couple of days of practice here, missed a couple of days of practice there. Wasn't quite a hundred percent for a, a couple of weeks at a training camp, we'll call it. And, you know, hypothetically, Trent Sherfield was playing very well, and so Trent Sherfield had earned more snaps than him in the first uh, going into week one. So, 
week one goes out there and he doesn't play a whole lot of snaps. He does play some snaps. Uh, he did some punt returns, which people thought was strange, but you know, week one, it was, it was just kind of strange. We were expecting to see more and week one, we kind of understood like, Hey, you know what? I get it. He tweaked a hamstring. He was behind Trent Sherfield. He got a couple snaps, but you're still kind of working him back into it. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, it can happen. Uh, however, after that, he, and then there was, there was, uh, just some talk about, you know, he hasn't quite been up to expectations. So what was he missing? We weren't really sure. Um, but he played, I think, like 20 or 30 snaps against the Lions. After that, though, he continued to earn more reps. So he earned more reps and more reps to the point where over the last three weeks, Ayuk has been on the field for about 70 to 80% of the offensive snaps. So now it's very strange because now you've got a wide receiver who first round pick, really good rookie season. He's on the field, you know, for 70 to 80% of the offensive snaps. So it's not like he's not playing. He's on the field, but he's not getting targeted. And it's like, what the heck is going on? So different types of things. Uh, first kind of thing that I heard was maybe he is not quite putting forth the effort in the run game. And I will say that by the time that we played Green Bay, he looked like he had fixed that and he was putting in a lot of effort in the run game and he was playing the run game very well in terms of his blocking. So it sounds like he worked on that and he was earning more reps onto the field because of the run blocking. Cool. So now he's earning more reps. However, he's still not getting the target. And, you know, you've got Debo Samuel out there and he's obviously the number one guy. He's leading or top two in the NFL, number one in the NFL and receiving yards, top two in basically every receiving category over the first five weeks. So obviously Debo's number one. Uh, usually we've also got Kittle, but he's been kind of nursing an ankle and a knee and calf and all that kind of stuff. So, okay, Ayuk is number three. But at the same time, like, why is Juszczyk and Sanu getting more targets? You know, you'd expect that Ayuk would be able to beat out Juszczyk and Sanu in terms of targets and catching. And I believe Ayuk right now is currently fifth or sixth on the team in terms of receptions and yards. He currently only has 90 receiving yards on the season after five weeks. That should be a game. He, eight, eight receptions for 90 yards should be a game for Ayuk, not five games. So something's not up. So started getting in a little bit deeper. And I remember David Lombardi put out Ayuk's not quite getting the separation. And I was like, well, okay, but I mean, there's other receivers that aren't quite getting, that are getting nearly identical separation, but they are getting targets, uh, you know, so the, and then there's a whole lot of context with that as well. So, uh, you know, if you're throwing it to him on a screen pass, he's probably pretty wide open on a screen pass, you know, or, you know, maybe that's only on his targets. So you're not counting how open he is on a target when he's wide open on a crosser 
and he's got four yards of separation. There was a play like that against the Cardinals where he was like three or four yards wide open on a crossing route and Trey just didn't get it to him. So I don't know if that factors into the separation stats. He's also had some very, very impressive contested catches. There's two of them against the Cardinals where, you know, he had guys draped all over him. Trey just fit the pass in perfectly. He adjusted himself really well, boxed out the defender, made a very impressive catch. Two of them versus the Cardinals. So what's going on? What's going on? Um, it's, it's been very difficult to figure out the best explanation and the best thing that I can see and trying to read through the lines of what the coaches are saying, because basically what the coaches have been saying is Ayuk is very talented. We really want him to succeed. We need him to succeed. He's working very hard. It's not an effort thing, but he's not quite where we thought he would be at this point. I think that what it is, and I watched a video by a guy named Johnny Dell, uh, Johnny Dell Academy, Johnny Dell's, uh, great YouTube, highly recommend it. He's a Niners fan, great film breakdowns. Um, and he is, he is so good at just like the little nuances. And he was the one I watched his video. He was the one who I think identified the problem of what is happening with Ayuk. Now, first thing I will say is Ayuk is a playmaker and Shanahan is an offensive genius. So we say, so scheme your guy open. You know, he can make plays, scheme your guy open. You know, get it to him. But this is what... This is what basically happened or what I can, what I, what I saw in this video and what was explained. The reason why we drafted Ayuk was to be the X receiver, meaning that he's on his own. He's not in the slot. He has to beat a one-on-one matchup. That is his job is to beat his one-on-one matchup. Debo Samuel is an incredible player. We know how good he is. But he wasn't necessarily drafted to be a wide receiver one who beats his one-on-one matchup. He's a guy that you can scheme open and he can, you know, occasionally beat a guy or he does beat a guy, but he wasn't drafted to be a one-on-one, I'm going to beat you consistently kind of player. He's a guy where you get your playmaker the ball, he's going to make plays. Ayuk is a playmaker as well, but he was drafted to be that X, to be that on an island, one-on-one, with a corner, beat your guy, so that way it forces defenses to adjust because they know that you can beat your one-on-one guy. When you have a one-on, when you have a number one receiver who can beat their matchup one versus one, forces the defenses to adjust. You know, now they've now they've got to double the guy. Ayuk is not always winning his one-on-ones this season. And the reason that I saw after watching this video, and I I personally am not good enough at watching film to really see these things until he pointed it out. On Ayuk's routes, they don't all look the same, all right? So when you're running a route as a receiver, 
the best thing that you can do is make every route, the beginning of the route, look identical. The corner, they should not know what route you're running based off of the first couple steps, you know? Every route should look identical off the line in the sense of, uh, I believe it's called your stem. You know, you've got your, you've got your stem and then you've got your brakes. So, you know, your stem is you release and then you take your first couple steps. And then if you're running a slant, you break inside. If you're running a quick out, you break out. If you are running a corner, then it just looks like you're pushing vertical, pushing vertical. They don't know which way you're going. And then you make your, your cut or your break. So, it looks like Ayuk has been telegraphing his routes. So not every single route looks the same. And I think that's what it is, is that he's not winning one-on-one -on -one against the corner he's up against because his routes do not look all identical. And he's kind of, it's like a, like a poker tell. Like they can kind of tell what route he's running based off of, his uh his stem so i think that is the reason why he has not been able to win one-on-one -on -one consistently which is what they need him to do all right i've been really trying to like figure out what's going on and this is the best explanation that i can come up with obviously you want shanahan to scheme this guy open get him the ball because the kid makes plays and we have seen that this season where he hasn't been targeted a lot, but he has made some very impressive catches. Those two catches against Arizona. I mean, he's long. He can jump super high. He's crazy agile. He's flexible. He's got really long arms, great hands. He's physical. He's good after the catch. All those things. But he hasn't been able to win one-on-one -on -one consistently versus the defender. And... It seems like that is what he, what's been holding him back this season. Telegraphing routes a little bit, giving those tells, not having every stem look the same, not having all your breaks be quite as good. Um, and we know that IU can do it. I would obviously love to see Shanahan scheme him open some plays to build his confidence. But that's the best explanation that I can come up with. And that was the best visual that I saw because there were things where it was like, you could tell on a couple plays that he was running one route versus a different route based off the first couple steps. The best receivers in the NFL, they don't telegraph everything. Everything looks like it could be anything. And that is the best explanation that I can come up with as to why he hasn't been getting the targets so uh what we hope and uh debo samuel said that iuk had a great week of practice i'm hoping that iuk is able to take that coaching point if that's the coaching point they're giving him i really hope that that's what the issue is and it's something that they can correct it because the kid has so much talent we need him out there because Ayuk could be just as good as debo if not better i think that debo is an incredible athlete and incredible playmaker but i think Ayuk is more of a natural receiver he's longer 
He, I think, is better in terms of uh, his ability to break on routes just because of his length and flexibility. Um, and just Ayuk I- has all the talent in the world. So I really hope that that's what it is and that Wes Welker is able to coach him up and be like, hey, every single route needs to look the same and every route should look like it could be any route. They should not know what route you're running before you run it. And that's been the issue. And ultimately, you know, he's just got to win one-on-one versus his guy because that's why they drafted him. They drafted Ayuk to be the number one on an island, beat your guy one-on-one receiver because when we have that guy who can beat his matchup, that opens up the rest of the thing because now they've got to overcompensate for that. And when they overcompensate for that, it's going to open something up over here. And then when that gets, you know, when we, when we get that thing that they've opened up, well, now he's back open again and he's wide open for a 40 yard touchdown. So let's hope that we see some development for Ayuk. I don't know if that's the answer, but that's the best thing as far as an explanation that I've heard or seen so far. Uh, that would explain why, He hasn't been the guy that we hoped for. So I think, uh, I think that's the best that I can do is Iuke so far. Let's see here. What are some other things that, uh, we can talk about? Let's talk about some rookie grades and just overall team and position grades so far for the season. So Trey Lance, I'm going to keep it Pretty short and simple because we already talked about Trey Lance a good bit. But Trey Lance was our number three overall pick. We spent a lot to get him. He has played roughly six quarters. If I was to give Trey Lance a grade right now, um, if I was grading him on a flat scale of versus every single quarterback in the NFL in terms of how he plays versus the starters, I would probably give him a C. However, in the context of... Rookie, first season hasn't played a whole lot, and he wasn't even uh, he wasn't even set to be the starter. Uh, in terms of a rookie coming in as a backup, I would give him a B. I think Trey Lance has played very well in the time that we've seen him. He hasn't been perfect. He needs to work on some things. We've talked about that, but overall, I think he's been quite impressive, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing his development and what he can do moving forward this season. And he personally is, that is the most exciting thing for me is to watch Trey Lance this season. Cause I don't want to be a downer, but I don't think that we're going to be winning the division, which means the playoffs are going to be difficult to get into, especially since we're probably going to have two teams from our division in there. So that basically only leaves two additional playoff spots throughout the entire NFC. It's going to be hard to get in. Uh, So I want to watch trade develop. So that was our first pick. Our second pick, Aaron Banks. Now, Aaron Banks, um, it's not looking good so far. To be fair, you know, he, uh, he hasn't got off to the best start. He has been inactive every game. I do know that he hurt his shoulder in the first preseason game, so he had to come back from that, which means that he didn't get a chance to get the reps in. Uh, didn't get a chance to develop as much. And he's also switching from left guard to right guard. And I never played offensive line, but I have heard from, 
Multiple sources, many people have said this, switching from right to left or vice versa is very difficult. Your kick step is different. Your drop step is different. Your power foot is different. It's like trying to do something left-handed when you're right-handed. So, you know, they're switching him from left to right. It's been a struggle. He had an injury. It's not good when your second round pick is inactive, not even able to crack this, not even able to crack the active roster on game day. But it is what it is, and I am just very, I am very hopeful. I hope, that's the key word there, I hope that he is able to develop enough that he can start at right guard at some point this season because Dan Brunskill has been a liability. Up till this point, I would call the Aaron Banks draft pick a D-. minus. Uh, it's not an F <laughs> because he is on the team, uh, but it is definitely a D minus. You know, he didn't look all that great in his one preseason game. He got hurt. His body is apparently not quite ready and he hasn't been able to crack the uh, active roster on game day. So D minus for Aaron Banks. I, I didn't like the pick when we made it. There was a whole lot of other guys that I would prefer. Obviously, Asante Samuel went right before him. Rondale Rondale Moore went right after him. I know some people have really wanted a you know a, a Wyatt Davis or a Creed Humphrey, uh, you know, or a different guard. I know there was Ben Cleveland. He was a very interesting guard prospect. I personally really liked Kendrick Green. Uh, who ended up going to the Steelers and is their starting center. How great would it be if we had a guard, a right guard, that could then move over to center? Uh, so he was somebody that I really liked as a third-round pick. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. He is on the team. That's who we drafted. D-. minus. So, third-round picks. So the third-round picks, we have two of them. Second and third round, not all that good this year. So Trey Sermon. We traded... F- Two fourth-round picks to move up into third to draft this kid. I would give him a C-. And I say C- because I would expect your highest drafted running back, especially with the injuries that we have, to be the leading running back. You know? When Mostert went down, you would expect going into training camp that if Mostert went down... Since Jeff Wilson was already out, you'd expect the next person up to be Trey Sermon. You know, you drafted him in the third round. That's, in my opinion, very high for a running back. So you drafted him in the third round. He should be the second running back. However, he was like the fourth. You know, it took... Here's what it took to get Trey Sermon the game where he was the number one running back. Raheem Mostert, out. Elijah Mitchell, out. Jamichael Hasty out. Jeff Wilson, still out. Now, after all that happens, they put Trey Sermon in. Uh, his first game was not that great. His first game against the, uh, I believe it was against the Packers. It wasn't good. He was okay, but he just, he wasn't good as we had hoped. His next game was better. Uh, His next game against the Seahawks, I think that he had a significantly better game. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. The the main thing that I've heard in terms of him is he needs to adjust 
in terms of a one cut downhill, you know, you see a gap, you plant your foot, you explode vertically. And it sounds like he has not quite been as decisive. So they've been trying to coach him up on his decisiveness on that one cut, hit the gap downhill kind of thing. Because Trey Sermon, he is a good running back. And we saw in a couple of his games in college what he's capable of. He's a good inside runner. He's got good contact balance. He's got very good vision. However, he needs to be more decisive and he needs to plant his foot and get vertical quicker. And I definitely think he's been improving. Uh, And he did have the game versus Seattle where he had 89 rushing yards, which is pretty solid. Um, He's just not quite there yet. So maybe I would give him a C. Um, but I just, I really don't like the fact that he's, you know, behind Elijah Mitchell and all the other guys. And he's basically the third or fourth running back on the depth chart. I would, I would give him a better grade if he was the second running back versus the fourth. So yeah, that's Trey Sermon. Uh, our next pick, Ambry Thomas. Now I personally really liked Ambry Thomas pre-draft as a developmental corner. However, unfortunately, due to all the injuries this year, we've been desperate for corners. Who would have thought, you know? Who would have thought that when you had Jason Verrett, you'd have to worry about an injury? (sighs) Either way, it is what it is. So I liked him as a red shirt rookie. What I don't like is when you spend a third round pick on a guy and and he's not ready to even be active. So... I think that Ambry Thomas still has the ability to be a very good, or at least a good corner, probably not this year. I think that he needs to get back in football shape. He needs to develop some strength. He needs to get better at playing off zone coverage because he primarily played press man and press zone coverage in college. He's got the physical attributes. He's got the length. He's got the speed. And he played very well in college. I think what it is, is it's primarily changing the scheme that he's playing in, changing uh, from like a press man to an off zone, and also just developing that NFL body. I think that he's, you know, a year behind basically in that, and he needs to learn. Next year, uh, I, I will be more concerned about Ambry if he doesn't crack the starting lineup next year. Um, I think right now the reason why I'm so salty on him is just because he has been barely active when and when he has, he's been a liability. He hasn't been a great tackler, and when he has been on the field, he's been a liability in coverage. Um, I'm going to give him a D. But again, you know, he's basically a fourth-round pick, and you shouldn't want your fourth-round rookie starting. Uh, I, I just wish that he was further along because we're so desperate for corner. That being said... He is kind of where I expected him to be, meaning a developmental rookie that I was thinking about redshirting for a year, assuming we had healthy corners. If Verrett doesn't tear his ACL, then I don't think we would be as salty on Ambry Thomas not cracking the starting lineup because it's like, hey, he's essentially a fourth round pick, you know, compensatory pick. He was like very, very, very back end past 32 on the third. Um... If Verrett never tore his ACL, I don't think we would be nearly concerned about Ambry, but because Verrett did, because we've been rotating in and out corners, the fact that he's inactive is not a good thing. Uh, Hopefully he's able to contribute some point this season. D for Ambry. Yeah. 
next pick, so we didn't have a fourth rounder, moving into our fifth rounders. Now, for some reason, fifth rounders, they're gems. Uh, fifth round picks, I don't remember the exact order that they were in. Uh, Demo Lenore, I would give Demo a... Probably a C plus, uh, C plus, B minus. He hasn't been perfect, but he's a fifth round corner. He goes out there, he competes, he plays his ass off. He's mostly been good. He's had a couple of coverage busts. He hasn't been perfect, but I mean, he started a couple of games and he played pretty well. He had a couple of really good games. So overall, if you get your fifth round corner in the game, he starts a couple games. He contributes. I mean, that's a good thing, especially considering that he's primarily been playing on the outside when I believe the plan was to move him to nickel. Playing nickel slot corner is very different than playing on the outside. Uh, I think his, his physical profile is that of a nickel corner. However, he played four years outside corner in college. So making the transition is going to be difficult, but he played very well at outside corner when we needed him to. Uh, again, hasn't been perfect, but I would give him a C plus, probably a C plus. Uh, it's hard to give him a B minus uh, really, but definitely C plus. He has been, he's been a lot better than I thought he would be. And I got to admit, he was the guy that I really didn't like when we drafted. But he's been good. I've really liked Demo. I think he's been extremely good for a fifth-round rookie uh, in terms of what we've asked him to do. So props to Demo. C+. Hopefully he gets even better and he can be a B by the end of the season. Uh, we also had Talanoa Hafunga. He's been pretty good as well. I would probably also give him a C+. You know, he's made some special teams plays. He had that uh, pressure on Kyler Murray that forced a throwaway to stop a drive. Hasn't been on the field a whole lot, but hasn't been a liability, and he's been good on special teams. Uh, hopefully we see more of him. Uh, I would love to see him especially in more of a linebacker role, especially with uh, Greenlaw still out. Marcel Harris has been bad at linebacker, missing tackles and just not looking good. I would much rather see uh, Hafunga in there as the third linebacker when we need it than... Uh, Marcel Harris. So yeah, again, C plus. He's been solid when he's been in. Didn't expect a fifth round safety to be playing a whole lot when he's been in there. He's been pretty good. Good on special teams. Has a mental liability. I like Hafanga. And his hair is awesome to watch his hair flying around out there. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore, the fifth round rookie left tackle. Uh, hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, it looks like he might be making his first start on Sunday. Uh, they haven't ruled out Trent Williams yet, but it sounds like Trent Williams had some type of uh, ankle, ankle or knee sprain, and he didn't practice at all this week. He is doubtful for Sunday. So we might be seeing our first Jalen Moore start on Sunday against the Colts. He hasn't played a whole lot. Uh, this season, which is a good thing because you don't want your backup tackles in. That means something's gone wrong with either McGlinchey or Williams, obviously. But he was very good during preseason. He was he was just overall pretty solid. He was another guy that I didn't really like when we drafted him, but he's impressed me. I thought he looked... Uh, it was like he won his reps fairly often, 
but he regularly looked off balance and just inconsistent, but somehow he just wins. Uh, and he's been solid. Uh, he played, I think, about like 20 reps at the end of the Seattle game when Williams came out for a short bit. So he got a few reps in there, played solid, and in the preseason he was solid. Um, it's hard to give him a full grade right now. I'd maybe give him a C because he's been solid when he's been out. Uh, I think this week we'll get a much better idea. And I will say that I do feel fairly confident in him. He doesn't seem like he's going to be a liability at left tackle. And I think that's the biggest thing is when your offensive lineman is on the field, as long as he's not a liability, that's a good thing. Obviously, having a dominant offensive lineman is big. It's an awesome thing to have, having a dominant offensive lineman. But if they're not going to be dominant, at least don't be a liability. If you're a liability, that's a weak spot in the offensive line that the team is going to exploit. Excuse me. They're going to exploit it. So I'm going to give him a C. And uh, we'll probably have to check back on this uh, you know, after the Colts game. Uh, which brings us to the final pick of our draft sixth round rookie Elijah Moore running back or sorry, Elijah Mitchell running back. And I really like him. I liked him before the draft. I remember watching him and thinking this guy is the perfect fit for Shanahan's system. Uh, I want him picked. And I remember almost every mock draft that I did, I was picking Elijah Mitchell in the sixth or seventh round when they picked him in the sixth round. I was stoked. And uh, so far, he's been exactly what I expected. He's an ideal fit in the system. He's big enough and strong enough uh, that it looks like he can handle the game. You know, he is a solid 5'10", 205, 210 pounds. He's, he's built for the position. He's not necessarily big, but he's big enough that he's built for it. Uh, he's got the speed. He's a he's a four four runner. I know he tested a sub four four, uh, but I would say he's definitely a four four runner. Not quite that four three burst, but he's plenty fast. Um, he hasn't been perfect. He doesn't always have the best vision. He doesn't always have the best cutbacks in open space. Uh, there's been a couple yards that he's left out there, but I think overall he's the perfect fit for the scheme, and he's played well when he's been out there, and when he's on the field. At this moment, he's probably the Niners' best running back. With Raheem Mostert out, without Jeff Wilson, uh, between him and Sermon, I think he's the best running back on this team for this scheme. If we were running a different type of scheme, might be a little bit different. But right now, I think Elijah Mitchell is the best running back on the team. I got to give him a B-. minus. He's not perfect because he's made a couple mistakes here and there. He did hurt his shoulder where he was out for a week. Uh, but definitely a B minus. He's been a solid contributor. And if you're getting contributions like and just solid play out of a sixth round rookie, then that right there is a massive win. I liked him pre-draft. I love the fit. I like the fit so far. When he's been on the field for us, he's played really well. And he's probably going to be the starter on Sunday. And I'm looking forward to watching him again. So... That's the rookie grades so far. Uh, as far as the rest of the team, uh, just some quick thoughts. Defensive line has been very good. Bosa and Armstead have been two of the top defenders in the NFL. According to PFF, they're both top five. I think number two and number three. Uh, Nick Bosa looks amazing. Eric Armstead is 
constantly getting pressure, just blowing up the offensive line. Hasn't got a whole lot of sacks, but he is constantly uh, winning on as an edge defender, uh, stuffing the run, all that good stuff. Armstead, Bosa, incredible. Uh, some things that I haven't been excited about on the defensive line. Zach Kerr has been unimpressive. Javon Kinlaw in and out with his nagging knee injury. It sounds like he's an IR candidate, so he's out, and they might be putting him on IR, which is a big bummer. I talked about this earlier in that uh, I, I wasn't too concerned about Kinlaw's knee uh, as a long-term thing as much as it was affecting his development. It looks like right now it is affecting his ability to develop, and it might be a long-term thing. So not a good thing. I really hope that he's able to get his knee right, and this isn't a chronic thing, because if it is, then if, if all you're going to get with the 13th overall pick is an injury-prone run-stuffing defensive tackle, not a good use of the 14th pick in the draft. Uh, I would much prefer that, you know, he develop into a disruptive pass rusher as well as run stuffer, and he didn't have a chronic knee thing. However, unfortunately, he's a good run stuffer who has a nagging knee injury, and I really hope that gets better. Um, let's see here. Ibu Cam, he has not quite had the impact that I was hoping that he would. Uh, he did have a nagging hamstring, and apparently he looks better coming off this bye week, so maybe Ibu Cam looks a little bit better. Uh, let's see here. Who else? DJ Jones has been great. Love DJ Jones. He's been solid. And other than that, we should be getting back uh, Jordan Willis here in a game or two. He had that six-game suspension, so I believe he's eligible to come back versus the Bears. Be interesting to see what we choose to do on that. And Arden Key has kind of been invisible, so I don't know what's really going on with him. He had a good preseason, uh, and, you know, as a college prospect, had a lot of potential. Uh, so hopefully we see some more out of Arden Key, but I haven't really seen a lot from him. So that's the defensive line. Linebackers, Fred Warner, obviously really, 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 really good. Uh, hasn't quite been playing at the level that we saw last year. Still playing at a Pro Bowl level. I don't know if I'd quite put him at Pro Bowl level. Uh, I think it's also just because he has to do so much more with Dre Greenlaw now being out. Greenlaw not playing as well as he did. Um, and also just the defensive interior not being as good. When Kinlaw's in there eating up double teams along with DJ Jones, it frees Fred Warner open to do what he's best at, which is, you know, filling gaps and uh, playing coverage. But when our defensive interior hasn't been able to eat up those double teams, it forces Fred Warner to take on more responsibility. It just makes his job a little bit tougher. So still great level from all pro Fred. Love that guy. Uh, but I'd probably put him right now as Pro Bowl, not quite all pro. We'll see, though, because, I mean, Fred Warner's incredible, incredible leader, and uh, I still think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL, arguably the best. I just don't know if he's quite playing as the number one linebacker so far this season. He's still really, really good. Greenlaw, he's hurt. He's been inconsistent. Al Shair, inconsistent. Some, some games that he has are really good. Some games are not that great. And I really don't like Marcel Harris being out there as a linebacker. Again, rather see Hifunga. Uh, I believe we might also be bringing in Michael Kendricks. Uh, so maybe we're bringing him back after releasing him off that uh, uh, injury settlement earlier in the preseason. So that's linebackers. Uh, safeties? Safeties have been good. Uh, Jaquiski Tart, 
Jimmy Ward, they've been good. They're good in coverage, you know, good in zone, good at man coverage, good tackling. They've been solid. I would give the safeties a B, a B plus. Uh, we know that our safeties are not necessarily like playmakers in a turnover sense, but they are very good cover safeties and they they know their assignments and they perform them well. Our corners, this might surprise you, but I think our corners, considering what we're working with, have been very good. You know, they've we've been rotating corners in and out. We've had in the starting lineup so far this season at at corner, outside corner, we've had Verrett, Mosley, Lenore, Norman, and Kirkpatrick. And in the slot, we had Kawan Williams and Dante Johnson and um, Demo. So we have had eight different players. I think that's eight. Uh, yeah, so a whole bunch of just mixing and matching in the corner position. But they've been very well. We haven't been giving up big plays. Uh, I have been impressed with the corners considering what we're rolling out there with. Again, credit to D'Amico Ryans. He is he has really, really impressed me with how well of a defensive coordinator he's been so far. Uh, especially, again, considering what we're dealing with on the back end. He has been really, really, really good. So props to him. On offense, offensive line... Uh, I would say the left side of our offensive line has been very good. Uh, Alex Mack started out solid, has consistently gotten less good. And then the right side has been a liability with the Arizona game being the best game. Mike McGlinchey, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, He just, he doesn't. Some games he looks like a dominant run blocker and a solid pass blocker. But then there's just a couple reps every game where he just looks like an idiot and gets beat bad and it ends up blowing up a play i really hope mcglinchy can develop some consistency because that's been his biggest issue uh he's been better uh pass blocking this season we know he's good at run blocking but then there's just some games where he's just he's just not consistent i mean versus the arizona game he was terrible and then dan brunskill i mean I much prefer Dan Brunskill as a swing tackle than a starting right guard. He just hasn't been good at a starting right guard. That right side of the offensive line is definitely the weak spot. I really hope that Aaron Banks can uh, develop and beat out. Uh, I really hope that Aaron Banks at some point this season can legitimately beat out Dan Brunskill because he's been the weak spot. And if Aaron Banks can come in and be solid at right guard, McGlinchey can be a little bit more consistent, then I think that this offensive line will continue to be a strength. Right now, though, I would say the right side is a weakness. The left side is a strength. Uh, on the left side of the offensive line, has been very good. But on the right side, it's been inconsistent in pass blocking, inconsistent run blocking, and a liability very much at some in some games. Not all games, but just very inconsistent and sometimes a liability on the right side. At quarterback, oh, jeez, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I already talked about Jimmy. I just, I don't think he's playing that well this season, and I don't think he's played well enough to feel secure in his starting job. I think he's playing around 20th to 25th, and when you've got a high upside rookie, I don't think that's good enough to keep the spot. So quarterback's been inconsistent. Jimmy's starting Sunday. Running backs have also been inconsistent. Again, just injuries rotating through them. 
you know, Mostert, he had two runs this season and then he was done for the season. That sucks because he's so fast and he can turn a five-yard run into a 50-yard touchdown run or, a, you know, check down pass to a 30-yard gain. He just, he has insane speed, such insane speed that he is a game breaker at running back. But without him, we've been having to rely on a couple rookies and just a whole lot of youth at running back, and they just haven't been as good. Um, so running backs, yeah. Uh, wide receiver, Debo, incredible. Ayuk, we talked about him. Uh, I will say I never want to see Travis Benjamin on the field. The reason why is a couple reasons. What's the whole point in having Travis Benjamin? Speed. You know who else is fucking fast? Trent Sherfield. He's also a better receiver than Travis Benjamin. Before you ever put Travis Benjamin on the field, give those reps to Sherfield. Seriously. He outperformed him in camp. He's outperformed him this season. I don't ever want to see Travis Benjamin on the field. And if he does, I only want to see it on return duty. Only. Only, only, only on return duty. Please don't give Travis Benjamin any more reps. All the reps that you were thinking about giving him, give them to Sherfield. All right. Uh, Sanu has been solid, not perfect, but he's been kind of what I expected. You know, a veteran. He's usually good. He makes some tough catches. He had a bad drop against Arizona. Hasn't been perfect, but you know, he was never an elite receiver. He was always a solid number two, number three. And that's kind of what he is right now is he's a solid number three. The problem is we have a number one and then we've got a few number threes. Uh, Sherfield has been quiet and I really hope that we see more of him because I think that he he has that vertical threat and uh, I remember I think it was the Seattle game there were reps where he was beating his guy vertically like he had beat the guy vertically and he had nothing but green in front of him there was a couple of reps I remember seeing so I want to see more Sherfield I think he can be a legit downfield vertical threat and I think he's a better receiver uh, I think he's probably the number three receiver. Uh, maybe you can mix and match him and Sanu. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Debo, Ayuk, we already talked about that. I will say Juwan Jennings, uh, he's been good too. I know I didn't put him in the rookie part, but he's been solid. He's had a couple plays. Um, he looks good. You know, he's big, he's strong, he's physical. Um, and yeah, Jalen Hurd, I totally forgot that he existed because... It's his third year with the Niners, and he still hasn't played a single snap, and he's injured reserve. So I actually forgot for a while that Jalen Hurd even existed. Uh, but yeah, we do have this thing called a Jalen Hurd. I don't think that this unicorn is ever going to actually show up. Good news, we have a Juwan Jennings. And Juwan Jennings is 6'3", 210 pounds, big physical possession receiver, slot, loves to block, block his ass off. I want to see more Juwan Jennings. Uh, moving forward, I hope that, again, Ayuki fixes those things we talked about. We're able to rotate Sherfield in there as a vertical threat, an outside receiver. We mix and match, you know, obviously in the slot, throw Sanu in there for a couple of those underneath kind of tough yardage possession things. And, uh, you know, we also uh, mix in some Jawan Jennings as well. And please, I never want to see Travis Benjamin on the field again. 
cool. So, uh, yeah, and then tight end, fullback, real quick. Uh, Kittle hasn't quite looked himself this year in the passing game. He's been incredible in the run game. Unfortunately, Jimmy keeps throwing him hospital balls. He keeps hurting his ankles, his feet, and his knees, and his calf. He's on IR, and I really hope that when Kittle comes back, uh, which I believe he's out for three games, so he will be back after the Chicago game. I think we play the Cardinals, so that's when he should be back, if I remember correctly, is versus the Cardinals. Uh, I hope that he's healthy and he's able to be that receiving weapon that we know that he can be, not just a blocking tight end. Um, let's see here. Ross Dwelly has been okay. He's kind of what he has been. He looks like Ross Dwelly, you know. He he's he's solid. You know, he's a he's a solid number two tight end. He's not the best run block run blocker, but he usually gets his assignment right. He's not the best receiver, but he's a solid route runner with good hands. He knows how to get open underneath. Uh, not a super elite athlete, but you know, solid number two, number three tight end. Charlie Warner, in my opinion, has made a made visible significant strides versus his rookie year. He has had some very good run blocks on film this season. I remember versus the Cardinals, I was like, dude, Charlie Warner it looks like the best blocking tight end on that we have playing. He looks like a much better blocker than Dwelly. And I think he's a better athlete than Dwelly as well. And from what I saw in the preseason. Um, as well as a little bit this season so far, he looks like a like he's improved a whole lot in his receiving as well. So I think Charlie Warner has made visible steps, and I think that, uh, if I remember correctly, Dwelly, after this season, is going to be a unrestricted free agent, whereas Dwelly's on year two of his rookie deal. I think next year, Dwelly could... Le- or, uh, sorry, Charlie Warner could legitimately be our number two tight end, and I don't... I don't not like it. I think that, uh, again, he's made visible strides. I think he's barely behind Dwelly, but I think his upside is a bit higher than Dwelly. You know, his run blocking looks really good, and he's coming along in his pass catching. And then, of course, Juice has been awesome, because Juice is always awesome. And they've leaned on him a lot in the run game, a lot more carries than he's used to, lots of catches. I like seeing Juice. The only th- the only reason why I don't like how much Juice has been getting is because it means that Ayuk hasn't been good enough. Kittle's been hurt. And, uh, you know, our, our running backs haven't been good enough in the run game. So that's my only negative thing to say about Juice is that we've been having to use him so much because of uh, problems elsewhere. Uh, but Juice himself has been great. I, I have nothing negative to say about use check. He's been great. So uh, I believe that's the check-in as far as grades and thoughts on everyone for the season. Uh, Moving forward. So how do we fix the team moving forward? So we're coming out of the bye week and there's a whole lot of things that it's a whole lot of little, little things. The main thing that I want this team to do coming out of the bye week is stop beating themselves and develop an offensive identity. Because I think the defense has figured out who they are. And I believe this defense is currently a top 10 defense. They've been performing very well. Uh, They haven't been perfect. 
Uh, but I would say right now this is definitely a top 10 defense, and I think they will remain a top 10 defense. I think D'Amico Ryans is coaching his ass off. Nick Bosa is playing incredible. Eric Armstead is playing great. We've got Fred Warner. We've got good safeties. Uh, we're a little beat up at corner, but with Mosley and Norman in there, uh, you know, I think those are solid outside corners. I also like Demo as an outside corner. Uh, Kwan Williams should be back this week. He's full go. And hater, hate him or not, Dante Johnson is a solid nickel slot corner. So I think this defense can remain a top 10 defense. I think the defense has discovered their identity and D'Amico Ryans is in the zone. What the offense needs is an offensive identity. This week is, we're going to do the the Colts preview podcast a little bit later. Um, But what this team needs to do, I want to see them develop that identity. You know, this team is built on the outside zone run game with the play action passing. And that's what we need because so far it has seemed just very discombobulated, scattered. It hasn't looked like this team has figured out on offense who they are and they haven't gelled yet. There's miscommunications that are happening. There's assignments that aren't being, uh, you know, executed correctly and they need to execute and they need to gel and they need to discover their identity on offense. And we know they can do that because they've shown it, but they need to stop beating themselves. So that's what I hope happens. Um, that That's honestly, that's the main thing. If they, winning solves everything. I know that it really sucks that we have a losing record and we lost three in a row, but if we win on Sunday and then we win versus the Bears... Winning solves everything. Now you're four and three. Now you're back on track. You've got a winning record and you've got a chance to go against the two people in the top of your division. And if you beat them, now you're legitimately back in the playoff conversation. So if they can get back on their feet, discover their offensive identity, I do believe this is a top 10 defense. And again, I believe that this team, they have the ability to compete with anyone with any team, they can compete with any team in the NFL if they execute. If the playmakers make plays and the the guys that are just there to do an assignment, if they do their assignment, if they execute, if they don't beat themselves with penalties, then I believe this team can compete with anyone. But they got to correct those things. They got to correct those those. Those key penalties, you know, when you convert a third down and there's a penalty and it pushes you back, so now you have a third and even longer. When you're on defense and it's third down and you give up a 20-yard defensive pass interference, you know, so instead of it being a punt or you intercept the ball a turnover, you're giving the team a first down with 20 or 30 yards. You can't be doing that. You have to impose your will in the run game, lean on the run game, you know, lean on Elijah Mitchell, where we, we are getting Jamichael hasty back this week. So that's fun. He's a fun little jitterbug kind of guy. I really hope that he doesn't fumble it. Uh, cause he's had some issues with that. He also has, you know, had a couple injuries with the broken collarbone last year. He's coming back off of an ankle, but we've got some running backs lean on the run game. I know that we don't have Kittle, but we've got juice. You know, we've got a really good fullback. We've got a solid offensive line. 
Run it to the left. Run it with your fullback. Run power. Run outside zone. McGlinchey is not the best, but you get him on an outside zone running play and he can flatten some fuckers. You know? Get that speed on the edge. When they overcompensate, hit him with a play-action pass for 20 yards. You know? I know Jimmy's not going to be throwing deep, but if he can hit those play-action passes over the middle when the linebackers are, you know... When the linebackers are running up to stop the run on a play-action fake and it opens a guy open 15 yards deep over the middle, hit those. You know, develop that identity because that's what this team is missing on offense. And if they develop that identity and they start executing, I really believe that they can turn the ship around, get things going again. And uh, again, when Trey is healthy, I really hope that they start Trey as soon as he's healthy because I believe he gives a significantly higher upside in terms of offense this season, later on in the season. If you're going to make a playoff run, I would rather have a Trey Lance with 10 to 12 games of experience under his belt, making those plays, being a playmaker, opening up everything, getting the experience, developing. I would much rather have Trey with 10 or 12 games of experience going into the playoffs than a Jimmy who we know who he is. I know Jimmy can take us to the Super Bowl, but this team is not that good uh, as the year we went. And it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, Let's see here. I think that's most of everything. I do want to briefly touch on this DeForest Buckner drama. Um, So obviously, you know, the Colts are coming to town. DeForest Buckner... It's his return game, his revenge game. We traded him after the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because this trade, it was 18 months ago. You know, it was a year and a half ago. It was it was a trade that nobody saw coming and it, nobody liked it. But I do understand the process. You know, you've got, a really good defensive tackle. There's a cap thing. He wants $22 million a year. Can you pay him that much? What about Armstead? What about Jimmy Ward? What about these other players? Obviously, Nick Bosa's gonna looks like he's going to be a huge paid defensive lineman eventually. D Ford, you're already paying him $15 million a season. Uh, you know, how are you going to pay everyone? And... I understand why they did it. Uh, you know, they they had a really good player. They were offered the 13th overall pick. So instead of spending $22 million a year on DeForest Buckner, they were able to pay Eric Armstead. They were able to pay Jimmy Ward, who, by the way, both of them have been very good since that trade, and they've been healthy since that trade, which was their issue. Jimmy Ward's been really good. Eric Armstead has arguably been better than Buckner this year. So for the price of Buckner, you got both of those. And while the Kinlaw thing isn't quite working out, it does make sense because, again, it really sucks losing a player of that caliber. He's a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, three-tech, probably top five in the NFL at that position. Great teammate, extremely durable. He can play a thousand snaps a season. Um, 
But you know, if you're going to pay him 20 or 22 million, you can't pay Ward and Armstead. So you lose both of those guys and you don't get a 13th pick. So instead you get the 13th pick, you get Armstead, you get Ward. I understand the process behind it. Uh, this week, this week it really hurts because, you know, we're three losses in a row. We have a bye week where we have to think about three losses in a row. And then this really good player that we traded away, he's coming back for a revenge game. And it does hurt. But you know what? It's in the past. And I don't like living in the past. I mean, we can like complain for years about things that happened two years ago, but it doesn't solve anything today. Uh, so, you know, again, we, we didn't like it when it happened. Shanahan and Lynch, they both said that it was the most difficult decision that they had to make to that time. It really sucked to lose a guy of his caliber. But I understand the process, you know. Instead, you're getting a really good safety and a defensive lineman at the same cost. Plus, you're getting a top 15 draft pick in return. I get it. It is what it is. It sucks, but I understand the process. And we'll talk more about DeForest Buckner uh, when we have a Colts preview game later on. All right, so I think that's just about everything. Oh my goodness, hour and a half long podcast. Can you believe that? Um, yeah, I can't really think about anything else. Uh, there was a whole lot. Again, thank you for being patient with me. Um, I apologize for this coming out so late. I do hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, even if it is three days late, uh, but I wanted to come in here, explain why I was late and just try and get like, holy crap, it was a long week with the bye week and I just had to get everything out. So I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm going to get out of here. I got a couple errands to run. I'm going to watch a couple of Colts games, come up with some more thoughts, and then I'm going to be releasing another one tonight. So you might be listening to the preview pod Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, but hopefully you have a chance to listen to this one today and you have a chance to listen to the Colts game before the game tomorrow on Sunday Night Football. Thanks for checking in. Like, subscribe, comment, tweet this out, share it, tell your friends, all that good stuff. I appreciate all 20 of you who actually listen to this podcast. I will catch you next time. Go Niners.